Okay, uh, my name is Ernie Schaefer, and today I'm going to talk about uh, Boston Heart Diagnostics uh, polygenic risk maps. Uh, I'm the co-founder and chief medical officer and lab director of Boston Heart Diagnostics, and also now our new genetics enterprise called Clinical Enterprise, and I'm also a professor at Tufts University School of Medicine. Uh, next slide, please. So uh, what I'm talking about is a the use of a, a chip from Illumina, one of the very largest uh, molecular companies in the world. They're based in San Diego. We use the Illumina Global Screening Array bead chip, version 3.0, and we use the iScan scanner. And we can get samples, can be uh, run from either a buccal swab, saliva, blood, or even tissue. Right now we're mainly using uh, buccal swab here at Boston Heart. It requires only a small amount of uh, DNA, 200 nanograms actually after isolation. And then on the first day, we amplify the DNA with a PCR reaction. And then on day two, we fragment it, we precipitate it, we resuspend it, and then we do hybridization with all the probes um, that we get from uh, aluminum. Then we do extension imaging analysis and genotyping on the Illumina iScan array scanner, which can run, uh, we can run about 5,700 samples per week. Um, and instead of doing a small number of DNA markers, we're actually doing over 650,000 DNA markers, also known in this case as single nucleotide polymorphisms or SNPs across the genome, and it includes 100% of the uh, genetic variants or SNPs in our genome that have a prevalence of greater than or equal to actually 1%. The types of markers that we look at, 85,000 or so, are in exons. That means in regions of the gene that actually code for the protein. About 260,000 are in intronic regions that don't code for protein. Uh, 5,900 roughly are not, cause nonsense mutations, 51,000 cause missense mutations. That means they can affect the sequence of the protein, affect the uh, uh, amino acid sequence of the coded protein. About 9,000 are synonymous, which means they don't affect the sequence. About 1,000 are mitochondrial. In uh, mitochondrial DNA, that's uh, that's different. Uh, that's from the mother. Um, then we have 10,000 insertion or deletions, also known as indels, and about 879 sex chromosome markers. These analyses have been run in 26 worldwide populations uh, from Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, and North and South America and cover all major diseases. This is a fully validated CLIA and CAP approved laboratory assessment. And it's carried out by our lab across the street, Clinical Enterprise, um, right across the street from Boston Heart. Next slide, please. So uh, how do we report this? Um, so we, we get all the, this data and we export it to our partner lab, Alelica, 
also known as the Polygenic Risk Score Company for our informatics. The populations that were used to generate this kind of risk analysis are largely the UK United Kingdom Biobank of over 500,000 people followed for more than 10 years for various disease states. They also incorporated in their, in their database other populations. All of these populations, of course, have this, this same genotyping data and prospective data. These studies in the past have been called genome-wide association studies. Uh, we generate five different reports, and I've listed them below. Uh, and I've compared the average high-risk uh, groups with the average low risk in terms of odds ratio. That means um, what the odds are of getting a disease. In the low risk group, it's set at 1.0 on average. In the high risk group for coronary artery disease, it would be 1.8 or 80% risk increase. Atrial fibrillation, it's about a 72% increased risk for the high risk group. Uh, for that should be type 2 diabetes, it's about a 66% increased risk for hypertension at actually over 160, which is a pretty high level. Uh, it would, it's uh, uh, about a 60% increased risk for a BMI of over 30. It's uh, about a twofold increased risk for high LDL, in this case over 190. It's about a 2.2-fold increased risk for low HDL about a 1.8-fold increased risk for high triglycerides over 150, which is actually a pretty low number. It's 1.65 increased risk. And finally, a high LP little a uh, with milligrams per deciliter. It's uh, over 50 milligrams per deciliter. It's more than a two-fold increased risk. Then that's you get all of those things from the coronary artery disease report. Then we have the Alzheimer's disease report, which is really uh, more of a report for all-cause dementia, but they list it as Alzheimer's disease. The, the odds ratio is, is, is uh, 1.9-fold increased. Um, so coronary disease and cardiovascular disease in general and all the diseases related to these things cause about half of all deaths. Alzheimer's disease or dementia causes about 6% of all deaths. Um, uh, but 25% in the over 80 group. Inflammatory bowel disease, um, which causes a lot of disability, uh, is the increased risk for the high-risk group is 1.82-fold increased risk. Prostate cancer in men um, uh, causes about 2.4% of all male deaths, which is not so high, but it's a very high prevalence. The odds ratio there, if you're in the high-risk group, is about two-fold increased. Uh, breast cancer risk in women, uh, the odds ratio there is about 1.7. Again, it's it's. Uh, I thought the death rates would be higher, but it's only 2.6% of all female deaths. But um, that's because most people, uh, when they're diagnosed with either prostate or breast cancer, live with the disease. Uh, so it has a much higher prevalence than uh, affecting deaths. Most people die from other causes. Uh, we also, on the breast cancer risk report, have early menopause and osteoporosis. And we have this ancestry report, which has 26 populations 
seven of African origin, 10 of Asian origin, five of European origin, and four of North or South American origin. But of course, uh, we're all close cousins, so there's a lot of overlap uh, between populations. And of course, our, our genomes are very, very similar. So if I could have the next slide, please. Um, so on the coronary artery disease report, as I mentioned, that's report one, you get uh, these nine categories. And I'm gonna go through what the actual report looks like for you. So when you order one of these, uh, like if you order coronary artery disease, you'll get all these things. So if I would have the next slide, please. So here's the first page of the coronary artery disease report. This is a patient that is at high risk. Uh, uh, in this case, three times higher than the low low risk group. So there's a ver there's a gradation. I mentioned it was a 1.8 fold increased risk, but there's a, a gradation of risk depending on where you sit within within the population. So obviously, um, uh, this is a disease of aging, um, and it's higher in males. Uh, but this is a, a, an example of of, uh, of a male report, and you can see that there's high risk compared to um, average, which is the blue line. So if we could go to the next slide. This is the second page of the um, coronary artery disease polygenic risk score. And um, it, it says here, uh, it comprises um, over 1.9 million variants, but we don't measure all those variants. We're only measuring about 654,000 of them. Uh, but then they, because of something called linkage, linkage disequilibrium, some variants are actually highly linked to other variants. They can infer um, variation. Of course, coronary artery disease has many causes, so there's lots of variants involved. If you're at high risk, they suggest, uh, or we suggest, uh, doing a standard risk assessment to see if you're a statin candidate, and the citation here is from the National Cholesterol, the education guidelines, the latest ones, which were published in uh, 2018. Uh, of course, for this that risk assessment, which we do at Boston Heart, it's age and gender and race and blood pressure and smoking and total cholesterol and HDL cholesterol, and whether somebody's diabetic or not. So if we could go to the next slide. So the next factor, of course, is atrial fibrillation. And atrial fibrillation is quite common uh, in people as they get older. Uh, as the uh, left atrium uh, stretches, often in hypertensive patients, uh, you're going to get left ventricular hypertrophy and then end up with left atrial hypertrophy. The problem with being in a, having patients in atrial fibrillation is their risk of stroke goes up markedly because they can throw clots. Clots can form in the left atrium, in the atrium, and clots can go up to the brain, and that can be a, a significant risk of stroke. And so that's why we anticoagulate those patients. So we try to get them back into sinus rhythm. But knowing about AFib is really important uh, because um, then people can get screened for it. Most of the time when a patient goes into atrial fibrillation, as most of you know, 
the patient can sense it, but not always. Uh, you can have a, you usually have a rapid irregular heartbeat, but some patients just don't know they have it until somebody figures it out or if they have a, a complication. Next slide. So knowing about having a high risk for something means you should make sure that you should be screened for it on a more regular basis. You can tell if you have AFib, if you have an Apple Watch that does your rhythm strip, or you obviously go to the doctor and get an EKG. There are also other little devices you can buy that will check your rhythm. Um, you can see this is based on over 400,000 genome-wide variants. Uh, and this is another patient. This is a patient with a high risk of atrial fibrillation. So if we go to the next slide, uh, the next slide is on type 2 diabetes. And this again is based on, um, this is somebody at high risk for uh, type 2 diabetes. In this case, uh, more than a two-fold increased risk above average. So again, diabetes is a situation where often people don't may not know they're diabetic. They may not always have the increased thirst, thirst and massive excess urination that sometimes occurs. And it may be an incidental finding, but you know you're at high risk. That means you should be screened much more often for diabetes. Uh, next slide. And this is also based on uh, large numbers of variants because it's Type 2 diabetes is a polygenic disease. It's not caused by one gene. We do know that uh, many patients uh, start out as obese and insulin resistance, but over time, uh, the beta cells in their pancreas sort of um, die out or get burned out, and then th these patients may end up having to be placed on insulin over time. But of course, diabetes is not just a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It's a major risk factor for kidney failure. So, um, and neuropathy uh, and blindness and amputation. So it's a, it's a very bad disease and it's important to identify it early and treat it if it's present or modify the lifestyle first before beforehand uh, because if people don't gain the weight and, and they exercise, you can really markedly reduce the risk of developing diabetes. So uh, next slide, please. So this is the risk of hypertension. Here's another high-risk person. This is now based on uh, uh, over 240,000 genetic variants across the genome. And again, this tells you if you're predisposed to hypertension, but you know, with any of these factors, uh, we do know that uh, lifestyle and genetics are almost equally important. So this gives you the genetic risk information, but um, then there's what people do in the environment, what they do with their li lifestyle. Um, and that's where the uh, lifestyle comes in. Actually measuring blood pressure or glucose gives you the synthesis of all of both lifestyle and genetics, but these are diseases of aging. So knowing about risk ahead of time is, is helpful. So you can take action ahead of time. So this is for high blood pressure uh, over 160, which is pretty high. Uh, next slide. Uh, then we also on the same coronary artery disease report, 
We have genetic obesity defined as a BMI of over 30 kilograms per meter squared. And this is based on um, uh, over 500,000 variants. Um, so this, this um, tells you about your risk of obesity. Again, there are things you can do with uh, diet and exercise uh, to prevent um, obesity, uh, which is it's a disease that often has a higher and higher prevalence as we age. Uh, next slide. Uh, this also gives you a polygenic risk score or risk map for high triglycerides, in this case over 150, which as I mentioned is not that high. Um, so uh, high triglycerides, of course, uh, predispose to coronary disease as well, but they're associated with low HDL with increased small dense LDL. Of course, triglycerides can be easily measured. We do recommend that they be measured after an overnight fast. Uh, next slide. Uh, the same thing is true for low HDL based on over 300,000 um, markers. This is a patient with, uh, with normal or, uh, well, not an increased risk for, um, for a low HDL. Um, HDL is a very important risk factor, HDL cholesterol. Uh, so um, this is another way to assess uh, risk uh, for low HDL. Next slide. We also know that low HDL, uh, you can quit smoking is helpful for low HDL. Obviously, it's helpful to prevent uh, cardiovascular disease, but also weight loss is very helpful for both low HDL and high triglycerides. Here you have uh, high LDL. And this LDL cut point is pretty high, 190. It's only about 4% of the population. That's in the range where you start to run into familial hypercholesterolemia. And this is a, a high-risk individual for high LDL. Uh, this is actually based on only 3,000 variants uh, because certain genes are very important for LDL, like the LDL receptor. And mutations in the LDL receptor are the most common cause of familial hypercholesterolemia, uh, but there are many patients that have an LDL over 190 that don't have a defect in either that gene or other genes, but they will have a very high polygenic risk score. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, another marker uh, is lipoprotein A, very strongly genetically determined, and we can, this comprises only 39 gene variants, uh, the most important of which is, in fact, the APOA protein and the various isoforms of the APOA protein, which uh, varies by the number of Kringle 4-like repeats. But high levels of lipoprotein A, over 50 milligrams per deciliter or over 125 nanomoles per liter, uh, is, is a, a, in it confers increased heart disease risk. It's not that easy to treat high LPA, but what we do try to do is to optimize all the other risk factors um, uh, when we treat these, when we see these patients. Uh, next slide. So that's sort of the end of the coronary artery disease uh, reporting. Um, you get 
actually nine reports with the coronary artery disease. So it's a pretty complete picture of all of the uh, heart disease risk factors as well. Uh, so in report two is Alzheimer's disease. And Alzheimer's disease is actually a, a diagnosis that you often make, you make it on autopsy. So in the Framingham Heart Study, where we studied uh, dementia patients, uh, what we found was that about 70% of all-cause dementia is classified as Alzheimer's disease. That simply means you don't see any evidence of a stroke on a brain scan. On the other hand, we do know that a lot of patients will have, uh, you know, small infarcts in their brain and, and not have uh, significant abnormalities on a scan. So if I could have the next slide. So the most one of the most important genes involved in Alzheimer's disease in the general population is, of course, ApoE genotype. And if you're an ApoE44, your risk is increased about uh, tenfold. Uh, three fours about two or threefold. So a lot of this risk really does relate to ApoE genotype, but there are other genotypes involved in Alzheimer's disease. So it's not just uh, ApoE. And actually, if you're an ApoE22, even though you're at higher risk for dysbeta lipoproteinemia, you're actually at substantially lower risk for Alzheimer's disease. Um, and uh, if we could go to the next slide. Uh, this is based on about 135,000 variants. Um, so there are a lot of other genetic variants involved. Um, this recommends uh, drinking less and not getting and getting more exercise. We do know that uh, in the Framingham study, uh, stroke is a major predictor of all-cause dementia. And for stroke, of course, high blood pressure is the most important risk factor. And then, of course, AFib. Uh, but we also know that high homocysteine is an important risk factor. You can lower that with B12 and folate and B6 supplements. We also know that um, low levels of DHA as found in uh, fish, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, low levels are also an important risk factor for dementia. So th these are all things that we can do to try to lower our risk of developing this uh, uh, by taking supplements, which I, of course, do since I'm in this in the high risk age category. If I could have the next slide, please. So then we have uh, report number three is for inflammatory bowel disease, uh, which turns out to be a reasonably common disorder. Uh, next slide. And this gives you a uh, risk of inflammatory bowel disease, which also increases with age. And uh, this is the kind of information that you get on this report. This is, again, this is a very high-risk individual, high risk for inflammatory bowel disease. And again, knowing about this ahead of time means you, you can be on the lookout for it. Um, and there are various treatments for this condition. Next slide. Um, these are patients that often have some defect in the immune system, um, and there are both obviously genetic and environmental factors, as there is in most most of these all of these diseases, really. So um, the next slide, please. 
So uh, report what I'll call 4A is prostate cancer in men. And uh, it's interesting, prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men, in non-smoking men. And the same is true for breast cancer in women. So these are hormonally mediated cancers. Um, so if I could have the next slide. And in many ways, there's some similarities between the two of them. Uh, the similarities are if you can um, if you can diagnose these conditions early, in the case of prostate cancer, if you can get it before it spreads outside the capsule uh, of the prostate, it's it's usually a pretty benign disease. But if it spreads out into bone, then it can be a really horrendous disease. So we of course have a, a prostate specific antigen, but knowing about if you have a high genetic risk, polygenic risk score for prostate cancer means that you can start screening yourself at an earlier age with a PSA and also uh, with a, a good physical a good physical examination on the part of your your healthcare provider. Uh, next slide. So this is based on a large number of variants, over 680,000 variants. Uh, in this particular uh, an analysis. Um, and of course, uh, the recommendations are to have a conversation with your doctor, obviously, but uh, they, they again list alcohol as a significant risk factor, which of course it is, but there are other, other factors as well. And, uh, <clears throat> but most of the time it's basically screening for the disease. And if your PSA bumps or you have a finding on physical, uh, that's the time to act. So uh, next slide, please. Uh, breast cancer, and here we also have uh, reports for early menopause and osteoporosis. So if we could have the next slide. So here you can see this is a patient uh, that's again at high risk. Uh, they actually, based on this very high risk, recommend uh, uh, breast screening with mammography starting at age 26. That's pretty early. The American Cancer Society uh, doesn't recommend screening until much later, but I think having this information uh, tells you, gee, um, you should start screening yourself earlier or doing also doing um, making sure that person does uh, self-examination and also having the healthcare provider do good breast examination. So, um, but of course, most of these th incidental breast cancer is often found on mammography. So mammography is really uh, the best uh, screening technology that we have. And, and that's getting better all the time. So this is somebody whose risk um, is already, uh, is, is higher, have the same risk as a 50, already at 24 years old, as a 50-year-old person, although breast cancer is a disease also that risk goes up markedly as we get older, as women get older. Uh, next slide. And this is based on, again, a large number of variants, over 550,000. This is, again, a high-risk individual. And again, it recommends a conversation with the healthcare provider. They, they stress an oncologist, but it doesn't have to be an oncologist. It can be, and they also stress the importance of alcohol. 
but it's not just alcohol that's a high risk factor for um, for breast cancer. There are many other factors, but this is the most common cancer in non-smoking women. Um, so it's it's very important to know about this information. Uh, next slide. So early menopause is, of course, uh, important to know for women of childbearing age, especially if they're thinking about conceiving and having children. This is, um, um, it's also, of course, early menopause is a risk factor for osteoporosis as well. And uh, next slide, please. And here, in fact, is the uh, the report for osteoporosis, a major cause of uh, fractures, uh, hip fractures and other fractures in women. This is also a disease that occurs in men, but it's much more frequent in uh, in women, especially those that have premature menopause. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, and this is based on about 20,000 variants across the genome for osteoporosis. And knowing about this risk also will tell you uh, to start screening earlier with bone density studies to see exactly where you are when it comes to osteoporosis and what you can do about it in terms of supplementation. Uh, next slide, please. So the last report is in fact Ancestry. And um, next slide, please. And as I mentioned, this is based on 26 global populations uh, on the planet. Um, and if we could have the next slide. Uh, this particular patient is 100% European, but often we do see uh, um, mixtures uh, of uh, in terms of ancestry, but this is very common in the uh, in the Caucasian population, as you might expect. Um, so this is based on uh, 2,500 individuals, so not such a large number from 26 global populations to characterize um, ancestry uh, across the across the planet. So if I could have the next slide, please. It's important to know the ancestry because uh, the risk of breast cancer, for example, or other diseases varies greatly across populations. For example, breast cancer and heart disease, for that matter, are lower in the Asian populations, but other diseases may be a lot higher. Um, so Prostate cancer is also uh, is fairly high in certain populations. In the African-American population, prostate cancer risk is, is actually very high. So we also now, uh, Boston Heart Diagnostics has launched blood, dried blood spot testing, which is, a, I think, a wonderful companion diagnostic to the polygenic risk maps, because we can measure just from a dried blood spot, a card, we can measure all of the lipids, uh, cholesterol, triglyceride, HDL, direct LDL, small dense LDL, LPA, CRP, and LPPLA2. That will tell you, that allows you to assess your immediate um, coronary artery disease risk based on the ACC guidelines. So you'll not only have the genetic risk, but you'll know 
what your status is right now. We also, based on a fasting profile from a dried blood spot, can calculate, can measure glucose and hemoglobin A1C and insulin and calculate your homeostasis model assessment of insulin resistance and insulin production or beta, HOMA beta. So with regard to Alzheimer's disease and dementia, we can measure your fatty acids, your homocysteine, your B12, your folate. We can also do APOE and MTHFR genotyping, but those are actually to some extent incorporated into your polygenic risk score, but this will give you the specific information. MTHFR is important because some people really do need methylfolate to normalize their homocysteine. And a high homocysteine over 14 doubles your risk of dementia, as does a low level of DHA. And of course, uh, with dried blood spot testing, we can measure PSA. So the monitoring of the above, along with other appropriate monitoring and treatment in high-risk individuals, will markedly reduce risk. So I think this is a wonderful one-time test, uh, and you can order just one report or all of the reports or a combination of the reports of whatever is of, of greatest interest, but also I think the whole panel as a one-time test is, is, in my view, extremely valuable. And along with dried blood spot testing, it's amazing what you can do without actually having to send the patient to phlebotomy. So if I could have the next slide. So this slide just thanks you for your attention. Boston Heart, our current lab location is on the upper left, clinical enterprises on the lower right, uh, where, where the, uh, the eye scan and the uh, genetic testing is actually done. So I wanna thank you for your attention and wish you uh, a pleasant day. Thank you. Thank you.